The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And as previously noted, in addition to normal episodes of the podcast, we are also regularly recording short episodes on various prospects in the 2020 NBA draft. Today, we turn our attention to Sadiq Bay. He's a six foot eight forward who played two seasons at Villanova, helped the Wildcats win the outright Big East title in 2019, then led him to a share of the Big East title in 2020. Villanova went 50 of 14 in Sadiq Bay's two seasons on campus. Remarkably, he was only ranked 137th nationally in the class of 2018, according to 24-7 Sports. That made him the lowest-rated prospect in Villanova's four-player recruiting class by 84 spots, again, according to 24-7 Sports. Regardless, he was Villanova's most impactful freshman in the 2018-19 season. He averaged 29.6 minutes per game when no other freshman on the team averaged even 10. Then his breakout season, that came this past season. That's when Sadiq Bey averaged 16.1 points, 4.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists in 33.9 minutes per game. He took... 5.6 three-pointers per game, made 45.1% of them, shot 76.9% from the free throw line. So Sadiq Bey, he's a forward with size who can shoot from the perimeter, guard multiple positions. There's a lot to like, and we're going to discuss him as a prospect momentarily. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So, Norlander, today's topic is Villanova's Sadiq Bay. I have him going 10th in my 2020 NBA mock draft. You have him going 11th. So we're in the same range here. We both like him. Like him more than it appears most other people with jobs like us like him. What do you like about Sadiq Bay as an NBA prospect? I uh, like his physique. I think that he can be a really solid uh, two-guard. I think he has the attributes to be a... Uh, a kind of player, Parrish, who will have more immediate impact in his rookie season than a number of guys that are taken before him. Uh, I know I've invoked Brandon Clark's name on a couple of these draft profile pods in the past, but Clark was one of those guys who, in the lead-up to last year's NBA draft, I was insistent that he would be better than many guys drafted before him in his rookie season. That obviously turned out to be quite true to the tune of at least 10 or 12 players. If Sadiq Bey goes 11th, 
I think that he has potential to be a top five player of impact because it could be a combination of where he goes, the team he lands on, and why I think he's just got NBA ready skills. So keep that in mind. Um, I think he's got he's he's also developed so well, Parrish. I mean, let's let's just talk about this real quick. Um, Villanova has obviously, as of late, you know, with more success in championships, you're going to inevitably um, that's going to be uh, you're going to see returns in how you're going to get guys into the NBA. Um, and since 2017, Villanova has had Josh Hart. Jalen Brunson, Omari Spellman, Dante Givincenzo, Mikhail Bridges, and Eric Pascal. Six players go to the NBA draft. It's the university's hottest run on players since the mid-90s. Shouts to Tim Thomas. Shouts to Kerry Kittle. Shouts to Alvin Williams. Anthony Peel, uh, all these dudes. So th- they've obviously hit a uh, hit a bit of a renaissance there. But um, I do think that he is going to have really good attributes and obviously carries a, a tremendous reputation. I think that also helps too, coming from Villanova. Um, most of their guys who've been drafted in the past four or five years uh, have arrived in the NBA and certainly uh, been able to handle it and have been ready from the jump. If he gets to 10, and I'm not sure he will, although most mock drafts do have him outside of the top 10. I've got him 10th. You've got him 11th. You know, at 10, Phoenix Suns, that's a team that might be projected to make the playoffs next season. So, um, goes into a good situation there, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. At 11, San Antonio Spurs are picking. Great organization, great coach, great um, culture. At 13, you get the Pelicans picking. That's you know teaming up with Zion going forward. At 14, the Celtics are picking. So really, if he does – listen, I'm sure he wants to be the number one pick in the draft. But if he falls to 10, at 10, 11, 13, and 14 – He's available for any of those spots. Those are all good spots to land. So if you're Sadiq Bay, I, I, you know, I, I think you feel pretty good that you've got a decent chance to end up not only as a lottery pick, but as a lottery pick who actually lands in a, in a spot where you would prefer. Like you point out, he can play multiple positions. Did you miss say shooting guard? You think he's going to be a shooting guard? I think he can be a shooting guard. Yeah. I mean, I know he's bigger, but I think that the way that he plays, I think that he can – the way that he plays and the way that uh, certain NBA teams run their offenses, I think that he can be a big two if necessary. I mean, obviously he fits well into a three, but I do think that there are certain advantages to his style that uh, if you wanted to plug him in as a two, given whoever's on your roster, that he could he could make that work. I think more likely he's a combo forward who 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 can maybe play three different positions, but 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 more of, of, of on the wing, a three and D guy. He can probably guard four positions. Like he switched on to point guards mm. at, at Villanova and his assignment most games was to guard the other team's best player, regardless of position. Uh, I, I saw this quote from Cal Neptune, Villanova assistant. It's an article at NBA.com done by Chris Dorch. And here's what Cal said about Sadiq Bey. He said he's a legitimate 6'8 with guard skills. We played him at every position while he's been here. He was our third point guard. But defensively, he guarded everybody. As assistants, we did the opponent scouts, and we always tried to match up with the other team's best player. Who should be guarding this guy? And it was always Sadiq. If it was the point guard, Sadiq would guard him. If it was a two or a three, Sadiq would guard him. If the best player was a four-man, Sadiq would guard him as well. So he's versatile defensively, uh, legit 6'8", Shoots a high percentage from three-point range in college. Smart player, unselfish player, can dribble, pass, and shoot. Better shooter and passer 
probably than ball handler right now, but still Mm -hmm. in a time in the NBA where it's important to be able to do all three things, he can do all three things. Like I got him in the top 10 and sometimes that feels too low. I, I, (laughs) I won't be surprised if, if wherever he's picked within months of the game starting, you go, ah, he went too low. I kind of float into that realm as well. I don't, I'm not comfortable putting Sadiq Bay top five, but, um, and having done, you know, a few mocks over the summer here, there have been just points where I've, uh, you know, I've wondered, you know, can you validate putting him at like seven or eight? And I think that you can, um, he was, yeah, he didn't have a lot of point guard responsibilities, but he can certainly handle it. He, uh, he's responsible with the ball, didn't turn it over a ton. He wasn't, to me, he wasn't an elite player in the Big East. Like, when I think about the best players in the Big East last season, obviously, Miles Powell comes to mind. Marcus Howard comes to mind. Um, he was really good. I don't know if he was he was necessarily great, but he was a fantastic player, and he's also a testament to the player development at Villanova, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast. He was the least heralded in his recruiting class two years ago, and then within basically 10 games, he had proven himself to be the most important Villanova freshman on that 2018-2019 team and kind of sustained that uh, throughout. Because remember, Javon Quinterly, he that was that was a flame-out situation. Cole Swider was anticipated to be the kind of player who could step in, be a big-time three-point shot maker. It just didn't quite happen for him. And then you look up, and you know Sadiq Bey is, is, is the most important guy and that kind of translated again into last season when Villanova was quality team 24 and 7 you know obviously Colin Gillespie was I think the team's most important player but Bay uh Bay more than proved himself there in, in that regard and his defensive acumen uh like a couple other players we mentioned on previous podcasts that's going to get him drafted high uh, I will say this uh, you've got him 10, I've got him 11. If we look up on draft night, which, by the way, I neglected to mention this on the previous podcast, barring any situation prompting another delay, the NBA has officially decided that the draft will be November 18th, which means uh, we will have the draft on the 18th, and if college basketball season can start on the 25th, they will be separated by the week. That's going to be a... We're going to have one hell of a weird November parish. Um, but if he goes, if Bay drops to... 13, 14, 15. I'm not saying it's unthinkable. I just, I don't see how that's validated in a weak draft like this with a prospect like Bay who's proven what he's proven on both ends of the floor two, through two seasons. I'm with you. Like, again, what what box does he not check? Right, 6'8", shooter, guards multiple positions, work ethic, unselfish, strong family. Like, that's another thing that, that matters. Like, his mother... Her name is uh, Drawana Bay. Uh, she played college basketball at Charlotte. She has a PhD in educational leadership. She was a high school principal, and she is now the uh, instructional superintendent of secondary schools in the Washington, D.C. public system. So incredible, accomplished mother. Like, I, I, like NBA teams care about that stuff. And so what's not the like? I'm giving you a 6'8 forward who can make shots, guard multiple positions, switch on to smaller players, um, and has an incredible reputation, comes from a good family. Like what, 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 do you, what do you want? And throw on top of all of that, uh, again, the track record with Villanova players. Let me just run down these guys real quick and, and, and explain to you how this can only help base situation even though every individual person is an island unto themselves in terms of their overall their stock and how teams evaluate him. Kyle Lowry, you know, first of all, it's been 14 years since he was drafted, 14 and a half years. It's just 
That's, I mean, I'm getting old. I cannot believe that Lowry was drafted in 06, but indeed he was. And we had him here in Memphis for a little while. Exactly. Correct. That's where that was the team that he was drafted to. And he's not a Hall of Fame player, but he is certainly um, among the top 40 players in the NBA right now. And it has, a, has had a long lasting career. And he was, he's outperformed expectations when you're the 24th pick in the draft, no matter how great you were to your college team. And Lowry certainly was uh, quite valuable to Nova, um, you're not expected to last 14 years and in your 14th season be a significantly important uh, part of a uh, of an NBA team that's won a championship and trying to make another deep run in the finals, uh, in the playoffs, I should say. That's what Lowry did. Um, Randy Foy, uh, he obviously, st- he stuck for 11 years. Again, a quality player. And then Dante Cunningham, 10 years. Then you get to the recent guys. Josh Hart has been an impact player for the past three seasons in the NBA. Jalen Brunson has adapted quite well despite being uh, the 33rd overall pick. Spellman has not has not landed. And there was some... Uh, Spellman's the only guy that when he left... And I remember when he left, there was just some belief inside and outside the program like... He's capitalizing now after winning a title. He really might do himself a favor if he could stay and reshape his body and, and, and develop even more. So it could turn around for him. He's just not hit overall. But DiVincenzo getting plenty of burn with the Bucks, and they had a flame out in the playoffs. I get all that. But he's been what they hoped he would be at the 17th pick. Mikhail Bridges' top 10 pick uh, went over to Phoenix. He is not a top three player of importance for the Suns, but certainly immediately he has proven his worth and his value. And then Eric Paschal, who I thought was a great fit with the Warriors, has wind up sticking as well. So I think that these players having this this track record coming out of Nova, adapting to the NBA, and whether you stick with one franchise or you're the kind of player that bounces around to a couple more and you still are a get-it-guy or valuable, I think that's going to help with Bay. And I do think that he is going to be, you know, like, to me, worst-case scenario is Randy Foy. He's not, he, maybe he goes, maybe he gets picked seventh or eighth like Randy Foy and he's an 11-year player in the league. I could totally see that, and I think that is his floor. Uh, Eric Pascal, by the way, first-team all-rookie in the NBA this season. And, um, uh, I'll tell you the, another thing I like about Sadiq Bay. There's a few few more things. I mean, the, the basketball stuff we've gone through. Um, he comes to Villanova and in that first season just plays a role. He's just a role player and is totally comfortable in that role. Not trying to do too much, playing 30 minutes a game, totally comfortable. And the next season, I, I know you, you said you didn't know if he was great because when we talked about great players in the Big East, it was mostly Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, Marquette, Seton Hall. But like he was first team all Big East. And I would argue that when you're the best player at Villanova, you're great. Like, you know, you might not get talked about as much as the guy, you know, scoring 40 um, at Marquette or, you know, uh, the guy doing it for at, at, at certain points in time, a top 10 team at Seton Hall. But like, if you're the best player at Villanova in this era of Villanova basketball, you're, you're a great player. So I like that. And then I also like that he was a sub 100 recruit coming out of high school and now is thought of as a possible lottery pick because there's no way to be misled by that. You earn that in college. If you are ranked outside of the top 100 in high school and after two years of college, you are considered a possible lot likely lottery pick. That means you have shown the things that, that, you know, on a big stage that make that possible for you. Uh, My point being this, like Jaden McDaniels might be a, a first round pick and it will have nothing to do with what he did at Washington. He was, he sucked. He sucked in college. But he still might be a, a first-round pick because he measures a certain way, runs a certain way. 
He has a skill set that is intriguing, and he was considered a top 10 pick coming out of high school. So somebody picking 26th is going to go, God, this guy was going to go top 10 a year ago. Um, maybe it was just a bad fit at Washington. I don't really know what went wrong there exactly, but like uh, we're getting a top 10 talent with a 26 pick. Let's take it. And then it might just blow up on you or just never materialize because, and then you'll go, well, I guess I should have saw this coming. The guy was not good when he played in the Pac-12. With Sadiq Bay, you come into college with no real NBA expectations. And then after two years, you are considered a possible top 10 guy, possible lottery guy. That means you've earned it. So he's not here on reputation developed three years ago or even one year ago. He is here based on what he did on the stage that the Big East provides. And I think that makes him a safer pick than maybe one of these one and done guys that wasn't quite as productive as 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 that you thought they would have been in their one season of college. And when I say safer, I don't mean just safer. I think the upside for being a, a high level starter in the NBA for a long time, I think that's there as well. Yeah, my final thought on this is that you almost take him depending on who you are. And like if you go if you weren't go to like I'd be interested if he will end it with New Orleans, for example. That seems like it would be a roster that he would really fit in well with. Um, but they've also got a coaching situation to figure out. And there's just all there's a couple different spots that, that have different intrigue. But you draft him, even though I said that I do think that if he goes eleven or twelve or lower, like I do think that he is going to be outperforming that relative to guys that are taken ahead of him that might not bear out five seven years from now but I do think in the first year Bay is going to wind up being a pretty impactful player I think he'll adapt pretty quickly but you almost draft him uh one because you think that he's the right kind of player for you and that he can help your your franchise there's no doubt about that but uh under the same circumstances or projections as to when he entered Villanova you know he's not he's not a lock top five guy not an elite guy within this draft class and again elite should be really reserved for really two or three guys in a given class for the most part but you get him and then you hope that you know you plug him in he can be a role player and and earn you know 13 15 17 minutes a game maybe maybe that goes up to 24 26 by the time you get you know 75% of through the season and then you look up and you see how well he's been able to adapt to the role um mature within a year's time and then he's really producing in a way where it's almost like a bonus but really you're going to draft him to say okay he might be our seventh eighth ninth most important player depending on which team he lands on and then if whatever we can get in year one or year two that's great but we're really going to draft him thinking that he's going to grow into this role grow into this pick and be the kind of guy that uh, that we want to give a second contract to once he enters into you know the final stages of that first uh, contract overall so that's my that's the way i i see it with him i do like him a lot i just find him to be a safe pick i find his floor to be exceedingly high, and I think that informs my opinion on him as much as anything else. I just don't see any sort of situation where Sadiq Bey enters the NBA, and then we look up in three and a half years, and he's kind of been like in the G League, and now he's like lost his way. He's not really sticking on a roster. I just don't see that happening. I think he's going to be a guy on a roster for at least a decade. Yeah, I mean, I, there's not a team in the NBA, a franchise in the NBA, that couldn't use a 6-8 forward who can guard four positions and shoot the ball from the perimeter consistently well again 45 percent from three-point range this past season like again really high floor here i i cannot envision him not being in the nba uh for for a long time and so we're really just arguing you know over whether he's going to be you know a top three player on a good team 
or top four player on a good team or or just a guy who's who's in the league for a long time but six eight guards multiple positions shoots the ball well from the perimeter great reputation as a worker and a high basketball iq guy like i i, I just i don't see what there's not to like obviously there are guys with you know, higher upsides. I guess Anthony Edwards falls into that. James Wiseman falls into that. LaMelo Ball falls into that. But um, if you're looking for a guy who is going to be able to help you immediately, um, then Sadiq Bey checks that box. And with the Pelicans picking um, 13th, if he were available there, I mean, you need shooters on the court with Zion Williamson. There's one you could add in Sadiq Bey. If he's available at 13 and I'm New Orleans, I, uh, I swipe him right up. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF and Teagle legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast once again in the middle of a stupid pandemic. If you're subscribed, we appreciate it. If you're not, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Do that. We will talk to you again a little later on this week. Till then, take care. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.